Good morning, church. Come on, let's give God some praise today. On the last day of 2023, don't hold back. Come on, let's give God some praise. Man, can you believe it? I got a text message this morning from uh, Rick Steimling. He said, we start Sunday, January 1st was a Sunday, and December 31st is a Sunday. I can't think of a better way to begin and end the year than in the house of God. Amen. Yeah, you ought to clap for that because you made the decision to come. Man, you're, you're here, you know. Some of y'all are clapping at some folks. You wish we were here like, just come on. Hey, I want to just get right into the word with you today. And here, here's the message. You need to get a word from God. Some of you are like, I know that's why we came, Pastor. No, no, no. I mean, I mean in your heart, you need to get a word from God. Have you ever been reading the scripture and then the, just maybe you read a chapter, maybe you read three chapters, maybe you read a whole book, but one verse just jumped off the page, just gripped your heart. Or maybe you sat and listened to a whole sermon, uh, but just one thing that was said just gripped your heart. I mean, a week later, you can't remember any of the, the points or the text, but that one statement, it was, it, you knew it. It was a word from God. And I want to just say to the church today, a word from God will keep you. A word from God will guide you. A word from God will direct your life. In fact, uh, the, my whole inspiration for preaching this message today was simply to, to show you how a word from God can mean everything in your life. And so today I usually come up here with an iPad and our media team can tell you, they got about 15 pages of notes and, and it's, it's a lot. But I just brought my journal this morning and I wanna just share a word from the Lord. God, just every once in a while, no, no, I'm, let me rephrase that. Almost every day, I'm not gonna lie and say every day, but almost every day of my life, there's a word that I get from God. And I know I get a word from God because when I get a word from God, I write it down. And that needs to be point number one for some of you. When God speaks, write it down. I want to just share. I was in my devotion a little while back, and uh, just one verse just kind of hit me different. And, uh, and so I wrote it down. And then I began to just slow down and allow the Holy Spirit to say what he wants to say out of that word. And here's the word. If you have your Bible, it's Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Fitting that we would be in uh, Luke's writing. He's kind of carried us through the last part of this year, hasn't he? Luke chapter 18. Here's, here's the word of the Lord. Acts, uh, I said Luke. Acts chapter 18, verse 9 through 11. And here's what it says. One night... The Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you. Because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. I don't know why, but on that particular morning, boy, that just jumped off the page. It was like the Holy Spirit had highlighted it before I got there. 
And so I just began to pray and ask the Lord to speak to me. And, and I want to speak to you today on this thought of getting a word from God. And, and the first thought, it comes here out of verse 9. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Can I just remind you, church, God is still speaking. He's still speaking. He's not hiding from you. He is speaking. He wants you to know him. He wants to be known by you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He is speaking. And, and I, this is the last Sunday of the year, so, so hopefully by now most of you have all but memorized the verse. But God spoke a word to us at the beginning of this year. Out of Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2. It, it was a word much like this word that in a time of study, it just, it just kind of jumped off the page. The Holy Spirit just slowed me down a little bit to say, I want you to lean in here. This is why I have you here at the coffee table this morning. I want you to lean in here. I want you to pay attention. I'm, I'm trying to say something to you. I'm trying to say something to my church. I'm trying to give you a word to guide you in the next year. And so the Lord illuminated this passage in my heart. And I want to read it again. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2, God said, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtain wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. And God has spoken to us through that word. And I've had so many conversations with different people about the different ways that God has spoken. And isn't that what's amazing about God's word? It's living and active. Amen. It's alive. It's alive, and so it can, it can have one application in my life without doing damage to the original context, and it can have another application in your life without infringing on God's will in my life or his intentions in the original context. That's the living and active word of God. I'm not trying to say make it mean something it doesn't mean. I'm not telling you to go out and buy a tent. I'm telling you God can speak a right now word in the midst of an unchanging, faithful, perfect word. And God spoke to us out of this word. Don't hold back. And, and many of you know, last Sunday up at the high school, we had our Christmas Eve services and we announced this then. Uh, last, the Sunday night before that, we had a church meeting. In case you weren't at the high school on Christmas Eve, let me just tell you that that first phrase, enlarge the place, uh, is, is very practical for us. We just had a church meeting about 14 days ago, and we decided unanimously to buy a piece of property right here in Wrightsville, 14.59 acres. We are physically enlarging the place so that we can build a new church. Amen. We're excited about it. Now, some of you might think, man, he's a real patient leader. You mean he told us way back in January that the word was enlarged the place just so he could reveal this in December? No, 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 no. No, friends, I'm not that smart or patient. But God guides us with his word. He does it in big ways. I was thinking about just the fact that we did Christmas Eve services up at the high school. I was talking with some folks uh, this week, just standing outside of our building, and I said, you know, most people that, that, that wind through these back streets and, and, and find this little church in the backside of, of this community would not look at this and expect that it's logical that, that a church of this size should rent a thousand-seat auditorium, not once, but twice, to do services for the community. 
Now, if you're just living in the natural, if you're just doing the math, that doesn't make sense unless you got a word from God. And if God speaks, if God has spoken in your life, it doesn't matter what the doctor tells you. If God has spoken in your life, it doesn't matter what the economy looks like. If God has spoken, is anybody hearing me this morning? You can move by faith on a word from God. And God just, he made it clear to me. We're going to have two Christmas Eve services up there at the high school. And we were, we were believing God for 800 people to come. Now, you know what? We didn't have 800 in attendance, but we had about twice many, as many as we would have had if we had had church here. We had about 700 people last Sunday worshiping God with us up at the Performing Arts Center. I praise God for that. He, he, he can speak in big ways, but he also speaks in really small ways. Like, I'll give you an example. This was, so, this was so cool. Last Sunday morning, you know, I mean, we took all of our equipment from here, and we moved it up there, and it's a lot of moving pieces, and you can imagine a lot of parts. I mean, we gutted the nurseries and moved those up there, and we gutted the kitchen, and we moved the hospitality up there. And so there's just a lot of moving parts. And we get there Sunday, at about 11.45, some of the early arrivers got there to, to set up the media, and I was uh, one of the first ones to walk in with Jack Snyder, and, and uh, Jack said to me, he said, I, I woke up this morning thinking about 9-volt batteries. And I thought, I don't think we have any 9-volt batteries. Now, none of these microphones use 9-volt batteries. They use AA batteries. In fact, most all of our equipment uses AA batteries, except for our guitars. Every once in a while, a battery goes out in a guitar, and we've got 9-volt batteries. But we didn't have 9-volt batteries. So he said, so I went down to the store this morning, and I bought some. It was the weirdest thing. I don't know. And, and I just, we're the only two in the auditorium. I said, well, you know, if one of the guys walk in today and ask for a 9-volt battery, you'll know you heard from God. And we both laughed about it and started working. Not three minutes go by, and Patrick, our bass player, walks in. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Hey, do you have any 9-volt batteries? <laughs> Jack, Jack and I just looked at each other. So, well, a word from God. <laughs> How many of you know God can speak in small ways? Now, don't get weird about it. Don't stand in your closet and ask God if you should wear the brown shoes or the blue shoes. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I'm not talking about being mystical and like, you know, God, should I buy a battery for the smoke detector? Well, if it's out, yes. But I'm just telling you, God can speak in big ways and in small ways. Look, look, at, look at this verse again, Acts chapter 18. God says in a vision to Paul at night, verse 9, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Older translations say, fear not. Did you know the Bible is full of fear nots, of don't be afraid statements? In fact, you know, there's like a meme uh, on the internet trending. It's been around for a while. It says like there are 365 fear nots in the Bible, one for every day of the year, which sounds awesome. It's not true. Sorry. There aren't that many. But if, you, if God just said it one time, how many of you know that'd be enough? I mean, if he just says it one time, that's good enough for me. 
But over and over again, it's funny, I, I was looking at some of the fear nots that are listed in the Bible, if you're trying to add them up, you know, like how many don't be afraid. And, and one of them was out of uh, Judges chapter 4, verse 18. I mean, totally out of context. This is a terrible don't be afraid statement. It's when Sisera is running from the uh, Israelite army, and, uh, and Jael, th this woman of God, invites Sisera. In fact, put the verse on the screen. You got to see this. Jael went out to meet Sisera, and she said to him, come in, my Lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent and she covered him with a blanket. Now, some of you know how the story ends. She gave him some milk. She soothed him. He went to sleep. She got a tent peg and drove it through his head and killed him. How many of you know that's not the don't be afraid verse that you want? But God does say over and over again, don't be Afraid. I was just thinking about the, the Christmas story we just came through. He comes to Zechariah and he says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. The Lord has heard your prayer. He comes to Mary and he says, don't be afraid. You are highly favored by the Lord. The angel comes to Joseph and he says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. They come to the angels and say, or the angels come to the shepherds and say, don't be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy. In other words, in every circumstance, the, you could summarize it to say, God says, don't be afraid, I'm working. Don't be afraid, I'm on the move. I'm in the house, I'm in the room, I'm present. Don't be afraid. And, and when you look at Paul's story, as I was reading through it, he's got all the reason in the world to be afraid. I mean, just practically speaking, let, let's take the rose-colored glasses off for a moment and, and just consider the circumstance that the Apostle Paul is in. In fact, if you have your Bible, just go back a couple chapters to Acts chapter 9. Because this is the moment where the Apostle Paul gets saved and God meets him on the Damascus Road in Acts 9 and then God speaks to a man named Ananias about ministering to Saul. He said, I, Paul has already had a vision of a man named Ananias praying for him and his eyes being healed. Uh, Ananias, you're the man. I want you to pray for Paul. But he doesn't want to do it. Ananias is like, this guy, he's, he's a terrorist. You, I mean, before Paul was saved, he literally, he was a terrorist. He was persecuting and, and, and killing Christians. He was on his way to do that very thing when he met the Lord. But I want you to see God's response to Ananias in chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Notice verse 16. God says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. I don't know of any preachers who have that verse as their call to the ministry. I don't, like, I mean, I think if God called me to the ministry with that verse, I'd make up a different story. To be honest with you, I'm like, that's, that's not going to be my story. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. But if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, you know it's true. I mean, you just kind of uh, peruse through the text here, and, and you see in chapter 14... Well, actually, before 14, he, he, gets, he gets healed, filled with the Holy Spirit. So right there in Damascus, he starts preaching. And it's going really well for a minute. And then all of a sudden, the people want to run him out of town. And so he leaves, and he goes back to Jerusalem. 
And when all the Christians find out that Paul, the terrorist, is in town, obviously they don't want him in their life group. <laughs> and so they don't want to connect with him. And so they want him to leave. And so he does. He goes somewhere else. In fact, in Damascus, they had to sneak him out in the middle of the night. They literally like, put him in a basket and lowered him by rope over the wall of the city just so he could get away. Then on his first missionary journey in chapter 14, he goes with Barnabas. They go to Lystra. The people get mad. They stone him to death. And we, we know that because the Bible literally says they, they left him thinking he was dead. We don't know if he really was dead and God resurrected him and maybe that was the place where he had a vision of God that he writes about in the epistles or maybe he was just knocked out cold, but they thought he was dead. He gets up, dusts himself off and keeps going. On his second missionary journey, a couple chapters later in chapter 16, he's not with Barnabas anymore. Now he's with Silas and he's with Timothy and they go to Philippi and people are getting saved and revival is breaking out and the church is getting planted. And then they cast the devil out of a girl and her uh, owner is not too happy about the, her salvation. And now they get beaten with rods, they get stripped, they get thrown into a prison cell, and they spend the night worshiping God in a prison cell. Then you get to chapter 17, and Paul's preaching in Thessalonica. Again, he has to escape by night. People want to kill him. He actually was in a life group. The life leader's name was Jason. It's a great story in Acts chapter 17. He, they have to hide him. Like, can you imagine, this would be like the new life group game. Like, you know, hide the, people do the elf on a shelf. We'd hide the apostle Paul. And like, he's, they're hiding him in the house. And then, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> they're hiding him in the house. And then they sneak him away at night. And so Jason, the, the life group host, takes the brunt of the interrogation. Paul sneaks out in the night. He goes up to Athens. He starts preaching there. Things seem to be going okay. So he goes on to Corinth in chapter 18. So he's preached in all these places, and in most of them he's been beaten or in prison or ran out of town. Now he goes to Corinth. This is the most sinful city of them all. Like there's, there's, He's never preached anywhere worse than this city. And verse 6 in chapter 18 says they opposed him and they became abusive. So Paul's thinking, I know how this goes. <laughs> Not my first rodeo. Like, I, I know how this is going to go. They are agitated and they're becoming abusive. And, and let me just say, fear is not always bad. There's a healthy fear. I mean, if it'll, if it'll keep your kid from playing on the train tracks, how many of you know that's a good fear? And so the, the, we could look in the natural and go, you know, this is just wisdom. I mean, Paul, he's a theologian, but he's also street smart. He's got to get out of here because things are getting intense and, and people are about to turn on him and stones are going to get thrown. And so the natural man, wisdom, would say, it's time to get out of town. And that is the setting and the atmosphere that God speaks to him in the night. And God doesn't just say, don't be afraid. 
I mean, how, how cavalier would that be? If you're in the middle of a crisis situation, you know, you're in, the, you're in a hurricane situation, your life is crumbling around you, and God just says, don't be afraid. Or maybe you've had like a Christian that said that to you, you know, like you're literally fearing for, for your life or, or for your job or for your children, and, and somebody goes, don't be afraid. You want to give them a Holy Ghost slap, don't you? You're just like, you know, right? I mean, you're going like that. That does me no good. But God doesn't just say, don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid. And in verse 10, he says, for I am with you. Yeah. And that's the key. Yeah. I mean, Come on. I mean, if it's just some Christian platitude that you're offering people, keep it to yourself. It's like when you're like, struggling with anxiety and somebody quotes Philippians and says, you know, the Bible says, don't be anxious for anything. Like, shut up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I know what the Bible says. But if I'm having a panic attack, don't quote me. Be anxious for nothing. But God says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm with you. Look at the next verse. He says, don't, or verse 9 again. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. And do not be silent. I don't think God would have said that to Paul if Paul wasn't tempted to stop preaching and be silent. I mean, he's got to be thinking, you know, my life would be a whole lot easier if I just kept my mouth shut. You know, I mean, everywhere I go, I, I preach and, and I'm a good speaker and, and I draw a crowd and, and people love to listen and they all lean in because I start with the Old Testament and I tell them all the things they heard growing up and I tell it better and everybody gets excited and then I start talking about Jesus as the Messiah and then the crowd gets divided and, and some people, that, that they're just, they just need hope, they get excited and these other people over here, they're, they're super religious and, I'm, and I'm, I'm messing with their religion and they get really mad and man, if I would just stop I bet this would simmer down. There's a lot of Christians that are kind of having that same internal battle right now. Like looking at the tension and just the cancel culture and, and the hostility and every, every, everybody's a YouTube theologian and everybody's got a quick comeback for everything you say. And you even hesitated to type a Christian message for Christmas on Facebook. God forbid somebody would lash out at you. Happy holidays, I guess. I don't want to offend anybody. Just, how do I want to write this card? I just... God says, keep on speaking. Do not be silent. See, I'm not trying to shame anybody for having those emotional struggles. If the apostle Paul did, I mean, come on. But, but what's important is that we understand this goes back to purpose. This goes back to purpose. In fact, that verse we looked at a moment ago, Acts chapter 9, verse 15. I focused in on the part that Ananias liked. <laughs> you know, Paul's going to suffer. He's thinking, well, maybe I will pray for him. He's got it coming. You know, I mean, the guy's a terrorist, so I'll pray for him if he's going to suffer. <laughs> I don't want to pray for him if you're going to bless him. But what did God say before that? In verse 15, he said, Ananias, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name 
among the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. This comes down to purpose. When your emotions say, you know, I don't, I don't really think I want to do this anymore. When that feeling in your gut says, I'm not, I don't know how this is going to go. Or, or maybe that feeling in your mind says, I do know how this is going to go. I've seen it go sideways before. I don't know that I want to do this anymore. You better know that you know that you know why you're here. God said, I've called Paul to be my instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. What about you? What about you? What about me? Think about Jesus' words in John chapter 15, verse 16. Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give it to you. Jesus has a purpose for you. A lot of people say, you know, I, I, I gave my life to Jesus. I, I chose Christ. I found, I found the Lord. No, you didn't. He found you. He chose you. In Matthew chapter 28, Verse 19 and 20, we're all familiar with the Great Commission. He, he says there to his disciples and to us, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I'm with you always, even to the very ends of the age. It comes down to your purpose. Why am I here? Why, am on the, why, why would I even resist the temptation to, to, to be silent and, and stop speaking? Because I know why I'm here. The Holy Spirit says through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2.10, for you are God's workmanship. You're his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. Boy, I wish I could say that to every Christian in America coming into 2024. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. Oh, but it's going to get it's going to get rough. It's another election year. We know how this goes. It's going to get toxic. It's a uh, keep on speaking. Do it in love, do it in truth, do it in grace, but don't be silent. A lot of Christians say, well, you know, I just let my life speak for itself. I just, you know, that's my conviction. Uh, you know, actions speak louder than words. So I'm just going to let my, I'm just going to let my life speak for itself. And, and it, we love to quote uh, St. Francis of Assisi, the 12th century friar and mystic, uh, from the church, this quote has been passed all over the internet. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Have you heard that one before? That's, that's a powerful thought. Like preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. So the idea is like, let your life preach the gospel. If you need to use words, use the words, but man, let your life preach the gospel. Can I tell you what's wrong with that quote? Words are always necessary to preach the gospel. Words are necessary. You can't preach the gospel without words. Paul said in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
Because it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 14. We often quote this verse when we're thinking about missions and missionaries, but here's what Paul says. How then can they call on the one in whom they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Well, because I let my actions speak for themselves. I pay my taxes. I don't cut in the pickup line. I... I'm a good citizen, I'm a nice person, I do nice things for people. I, like, how are they gonna believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how are they gonna hear without someone preaching to them? Skip down to verse 17, Paul says this, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. That's how we preach. Use words when necessary, always necessary, always necessary. That's why Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and 2, he said, Timothy, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and with careful instruction. You know, I heard people when I was growing up in the church that would say, the older translations say, be instant in season and out of season. And they took that verse to mean whether you're ready or not. Like, hey, you just gotta be ready to preach, whether you're ready to preach or to. And it was kind of, that verse kind of became an excuse for a lack of preparation. Like I told you, I'm preaching out of my journal, but I hope you can tell I'm ready. I'm not, well, instant, in season or out. I wasn't ready, so just out of season. I guess I'll just give you what I got. No, no. What he was saying is when it's trending and when it's not, when it's popular and when it isn't, when everybody wants to hear it, when it's in vogue, when it's in fashion, when it's in season, and when they're throwing stones at you. Preach the word, Timothy. Preach the word. You know, another problem with that St. Francis of Assisi quote is he didn't say it. Shocker, right? Like a lot of quotes on the internet, no biographer, no disciple of St. Francis of Assisi ever said that he said that. It's like the quote from Abraham Lincoln that says, you can't trust everything on the internet. <laughs> he didn't say it. But I will give you a real quote from St. Francis from the 12th century. He said this, the preacher must first draw from secret prayers what he will later pour out in holy sermons. He must first grow hot within before he speaks words that are in themselves cold. Now that's a statement worth remembering. And I think it points to a key. The key to telling people about Jesus is to begin by telling Jesus about people. Pray until your heart grows hot like your tears for their salvation. And I assure you, you'll have a whole lot more confidence in sharing the good news. So the Lord says to Paul, who like all of us, struggle sometimes to stay faithful to our purpose. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. And then he says this, for I'm with you and no one is going to attack and harm you. Now, again, can I just say, this is a rhema word from God. 
This, this, is, this is a right now, in the moment of need word from the Lord because Paul's past experience says otherwise. Paul's past experience tells him it's about to get violent in here. I mean, these, these people that oppose him are abusive. Verse six says they're, 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 they're upset and, and then he rebukes them and that doesn't help things. But everything in the natural says you're gonna get attacked. But God says, no one's gonna attack you and harm you. And you know what God's not saying? God's not saying no one's ever going to attack you and harm you. A lot of times we wanna take a word that God says for a season and we wanna, we wanna you know, shake our fist at God five years from now when it's still not true. But it was a word for that moment. In this place, God gave him a word and that word carried him for the next year and a half. We read it. He stayed in Corinth for a year and a half. That word sustained him for 18 months of ministry in a hostile place where he could have just been quiet. He could have moved on. He could have gone somewhere else. But God spoke a word to him. And in a word, when you know you've heard from God, it changes things. In fact, I had another testimony I wanted to share with you. I got a card this week from, uh, from Larry Blackburn. Many of you know Larry and Karen. Uh, Larry gave me this card. He said, um, I, I got to tell you about a powerful vision that I've been having for a couple of months. I brought it up to our small group. Some of you in his small group are in this room. I've seen you here today. Uh, they were at the Moore's house. He said, I've brought it up to the small group and they thought I should tell you. My vision was a huge tent in a field on 462. And now listen to this. He said, I thought maybe God was saying we should have a tent meeting. You know, the old time revival type. And some of you were at the business meeting two weeks ago. And so Larry says, when you put that visual up on the screen, when I showed a picture of the property that we're, uh, we have a verbal agreement on right now, we wanna purchase this property. When I showed the, the video, at the very end of the video, we imposed the Don't Hold Back logo over top of the field. And Larry said, when I saw the visual that you put on the screen and showed a big tent on 462 in a field, I was shook. <laughs> you ever been shook by a right now word from God? He said, I don't know if anyone else experienced anything like this, but I never have like this before. I just wanted to pass it along to you. I'm telling you, one word from God can settle your heart, steal your backbone to the purpose and plan that God has for your life. God says, because I have many people in this city. As the musicians come, I, uh, there's two, two ways that I'm, I'm looking at that verse. I have many people in this city. One was just the thought that God can favor you through his people. Like God wants to favor you through his people. And, and for me, that was one of the practical applications. Like, hey, God's got many people in this city. I mean, they're, they're, after our Christmas Eve service, I, I had one guy come up to me, said, thank you so much for this. I've, I thought I was coming to a play. 
Yeah, why not? This is the high school performing arts center. He was expecting, you know, bathrobe Joseph to come out, you know, and he, he said, I needed this so bad. And then he, he goes on to tell me, hey, if I, if I can help with that, with that building thing, man, I, I, I want to be a part of it. Never met this guy before in my life. I want to be a part of it. Another, I turn around, another guy shakes my hand. He says, hey, I don't know what your plan is, but I, I own a, a plumbing company here in town. He said, man, I, I wanna help. I wanna help with that. I, wanna, I talked to somebody else uh, in our church. They said, you know, I, I, I work for a township. And so if you have any questions, you know, go into those meetings. Hey, just give, give me a call. I'd love to help. I'd love to be an asset. And so many other conversations. So when I read the Lord spoke in a vision to Paul, I have many people in this city. I didn't have to reach too far for an application to say, I, I claim that. For all the red tape and all the roadblocks we're gonna come up against, God says, I have many people in this city. And for Paul, it was crazy because if you read the rest of the chapter, <laughs> it got ugly just like it always does. Verse 12 says, uh, Galeo was the proconsul, and the Jews made a united attack on Paul and they brought him to the place of judgment. This man they charged is persuading the people to worship God in ways that are contrary to the law. And Paul's probably thinking like, okay, God, I know how this is gonna go. They're about to start throwing stones. I'm about to get whipped. I don't, I'm gonna get in prison. Like I, I should have left yesterday, but you said stay. You said don't be silent. You said they're not gonna attack me. What about now? And all of a sudden, it says, just as Paul was about to speak, he's like, I gotta, I gotta give my defense. Verse 14, Galeo, the guy in authority in the city, he says, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, that would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about the words and the names of your own law, settle the matter for yourselves. I'm not gonna be the judge of these things. And Paul's going, well, that's different. And then he got really crazy. Verse 16 says, so he drove them off. So they're, they're ready to persecute Paul and the authority says, I'm not hearing it. And then they got so mad that their plan didn't work. Verse 17 says, then the crowd turned on Sosthenes, who was the synagogue leader. In other words, the one who was rallying up the base against Paul and they beat him. Paul's just watching this guy take a beating going, never saw that coming. In all the places I've preached, that's never happened. I'm always the one taking the licks. But God said, I got many people in this city. Oh, let, let me just give you one more testimony. I know our time's running away from us and I, I wanna lead you in a moment of prayer. Just give me a few more moments. Um, I got a text message from Doug Bailey. And uh, I reached out to him actually just to congratulate him on being elected as the school board president for Eastern York School District. That just happened a couple of weeks ago. One of the members of our church is now the president of the school board and two other members in our church are serving on that school board. So he replied to my 
congratulations. He said, thanks for keeping me in your prayers. I'm looking forward to a great year. Talk about your vision for our church. Don't hold back. All I can say is God has definitely enlarged the place of my tent this year. And God says, I've got many people in this city. I got many people in this city. There's, there's another application to that thought though. And, and, and I think it's, it's the foreknowledge of God. Paul is there to preach the gospel. And, and, and the atmosphere is not suitable. Not a conducive situation for starting a church. But I believe the Lord is also saying, Paul, don't be afraid. Don't stop speaking. Don't be silent. I'm with you. No one's gonna attack you and harm you because I have many people in this city that need to be saved. They're mine. They're mine. And God in his foreknowledge knew who would respond to the message of salvation. God knew who would be open to the gospel. He knew whose life would be changed. And he says, they're mine. And so Paul, I need you to stay there. I need you to preach. I'm gonna run defense on this one. You need to stay and establish a church in Corinth. And what I wanna say to us today, all of us, your purpose, it's too important. Your assignment is too significant for you not to get a word from God. And then just know that you know that you know God has spoken. I'm gonna hold on to God's word. A lot of people like to start the new year with a word. I don't know if you're that way or not. I'm not just saying, you know, get a word for the year. I'm saying get a word every day. Open up the Bible and let God speak to you from his word. I wanna invite you to, to stand today. There's one practical application to this whole sermon, I guess. If God speaks to you, write it down. Pray it and believe it and hold on to it. But I want us to just take a couple moments here at the end, not just at the end of this service, but I think significantly in our last gathering of 2023. I just wanna take a, a couple moments to just seek the Lord and surrender to his will for our lives, to just listen for his voice and to, to make a, a, a commitment to say, God, I'm, I'm not just gonna listen I'm gonna listen and obey. I'm gonna listen and obey. So as this worship team just, uh, just sings this simple chorus, it says, Lord, we wanna meet with you. I, I just wanna open these altars for these final moments of this final gathering of 2023. And I wanna invite you, would you just seek the Lord for a few minutes? We gotta we got clear the parking lot quickly, I know, but just take a few moments. Just take a few moments right now. Come on, let's seek the Lord. If you wanna to come to the altar, you can move now. Come and find a place of prayer. Let's lift our voices to him. God, we're seeking you today. God, over, over this foundation of worship, we just wanna let our voices rise. Come on, don't be afraid of the sound of your own voice today, church. Just call out to him. God, we thank you for speaking to us. God, thank you for clarity. Thank you for direction. Lord, I know there are some today that are struggling for direction and purpose, for answers about their career, about their family, about their finances. God, thank you today that you're speaking to your church. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Jesus, we call out to you today. We call out to you today, Lord. Lord, we need to hear your voice. We need to hear your voice today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let the word of God become alive this year. In 2024, God, let the word of God leap off the page. Let it become alive in our hearts. Your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our pathway.